Welcome to Travels with Dante. We're in Canto 12 of Purgatorio, going through the final canto on the purification of pride. Today we'll be following the engravings in the ground the prideful are made to look at, and we'll have some final commentary on pride. Yeah, and just a word, uh, you may notice the voice is different. Uh, this is Renee, who's here with us. Um, Donovan is at, he's away for the rest of the summer, serving as a seminarian, and so... Like, we'll miss him dearly, but he has been replaced. <laughs> Pleasure to be here. <laughs> so, glad to have you with us. Okay, so we're going to jump right in and talk about Canto 12. And one of the first things I want to highlight in this is this, like, from the very first line of Canto 12, he's walking alongside Odorisi from the previous Canto, and it's this line he says, now neck to neck like oxen at the plow. And I walked alongside beside that burdened soul. And the imagery actually there is there's a specific uh, line from the Gospel of Matthew where Jesus says, like, take my yoke upon you, for like my yoke is easy and my burden light. And the specific word that he uses is actually the word double yoke of mm -hmm. two oxen side by side. And Jesus is basically saying there, uh, hey, like, be yoked next to me and we'll walk side by side together and my yoke is easy, my burden light. And the thing of pride is to be yoked to no one. And so it's actually calling to imagery of that in like this very subtle way at the very beginning when he's walking alongside Odorisi. And then even says, though, like, my body drew upright, though my thoughts still remained all hunched and bowed and humbly low. To live with pride, um, to try and carry things that you're not meant to carry, to not be yoked to another, to depend upon another, causes you to be hunched and bowed, like, from the burden of it. Mm -hmm. And it's very interesting, the, the imagery we have of being hunched and bowed, because not only does it communicate like the humiliation in, in the prideful nature, right? That one is lowered in being prideful, but also in, in the weight that one has to bear in being prideful, that one does not have someone to walk along with. And also it's very interesting, the, the imagery of being yoked, because it tells us not only in a relationship with Christ as Christ, but also with the body of Christ that is the church, that not only even on earth or until we get to heaven, even on our way between earth and heaven, that we have to walk alongside the body of Christ, which is the church. Yeah, like we need to travel this road together, mm -hmm. right? Which we've heard, heard a lot even in this of who is your guide. And Dante from here on out, like he never, like actually through the whole divine comedy, he never walks alone. Yeah. Never. Not once. So as he's walking along, though, Virgil tells him to look down on the ground and to look at these engravings that are on the ground that actually he describes as tomb lids. And it's 13 sets of engravings, and each of them like highlighting a different reality of pride, starting with Satan, like the fall of Satan, and then actually ending with the fall of Troy, right? So the fall, the fall of like... Uh, the head of all the demons, right? And then the fall of, like, the city that or the nation that would then become Rome, right, in the Aeneid. And it's interesting, these 13 engravings. Dante does something. It's hard to see on the English side. The Esalen translation actually does it. But the way that he marks these engravings is you'll see, uh, at least in the Esalen, it says, mark on this side, mark Briarius, mark Ares, like, mark Nimrod. And then, alas, Niobe, alas, Saul, alas, I saw you, alas, Rehoboam, and then now look upon, now, and it's actually meant to spell out man. So in the Italian, it's videa, I saw, 
and then O, like O, and then mostrava, which means it demonstrated. So I saw O, and then it demonstrated. And that spells out vom, which is short for uomo, man. Mm -hmm. So it's actually spelling out, like, this is the path that man takes. This is the path of man. And he does uh, three sets of four of videa, O, and mostrava. And then he does the last one where it's uh, videa, O, mostrava, like the, the 13th one. Videa, so Mark Troy and Gutted Palaces in Ash. Alas, Ilian, the signs for all to see. Now show you for a thing of scorn and trash. So there's actually like a structural poetry thing here that he's doing that's really, really masterful and really beautiful. And so it's actually like in poetic form, a like beautiful rendering of these engravings of pride that the people walking are meant to meditate on. Do you want to talk about the pattern of the Old Testament characters? Yeah, so it usually it mentions one from the Old Testament and then two from mythology or history, right? So from the very beginning, for instance, right, you have Satan and then Briarius and then Ares and Apollo, right? And then Nimrod from the Tower of Babel, which we met Nimrod uh, in the, like, Circle of Traitors, right? He, like was there like babbling, right? Nimrod, and then Niobe, and then Saul. So like, and it follows like that particular pattern of mythology, history, and Old Testament. And the other thing about like walking the road, and there's actually a very specific line like in this pattern uh, where he says, well, first of all, he's saying that he's doing something very important for us. There's a warning. He says, who sees the truth would see no more than I as I looked down upon the road I trod. So it's like meditate on these. Carry your burden and meditate on these. And then he says, well then, be proud and hold your faces high, you sons of Eve, and never bow the head to see the evil road you traveled by. So what he's saying is part of the nature of pride is like you're lifting up your head in the sense of like interiorly of like, I'm so good, like I'm so like, I'm the best, whatever. And you're not contemplating the path that you're walking, that maybe you're walking a bad path that's not good for you. And so part of the nature of pride is like one who actually doesn't really examine their conscience and doesn't really acknowledge like, hey, maybe I'm not doing the best thing, Mm -hmm. right? And so there's this interesting thing where like man is made for the stars uh, and so he is like exteriorly looking uh, up at the stars or like looking into the face of another, uh, but interior, but then also like looking down at the road that he is traveling, right? To look down and make sure I'm walking the, the right path. And that is the like humble man who lives a relationship with the stars, but then also has to look down to make sure they're walking the right path. Then you also have the, the proud man who walks and like lifts up like they're the best and they don't look down at the road. They don't contemplate what they're walking, but they're also hunched down interiorly by the burden of carrying things on their own and, and like carrying, like not walking with another. And so that's why now you have this thing where they are hunched down by the burden of these boulders and contemplating the road. So they're living it and the remedy is also happening, right? Um, and then like at the end of like contemplating all of this, uh, and he is like, Dante is like really immersed in it. And then Virgil says, lift up your head. 
Like the time is past for walking so intent, right? And then he says very interestingly, he's like, this day will never dawn again. This like, look, lift up your head. Let's keep walking. This day will never dawn again. And there's a sense of like the urgency of time that like this day will never actually happen again. Mm-hmm. It's actually more precious than we think. And how often so much of like purgatorio, what it, what it is talking about is not wasting our time using our time well. So he says, hey, like, this day will never dawn again. Let's keep going. I was going to add a few different comments on what I took from the imagery of the people looking down at the ground and from what the the image of being bowed down and looking down means. Like, when you bow down and you look down, you're looking at the floor, right? You're lowering yourself. You're looking at something lower. It's something almost dirty in a sense. And this reminds us of the line we're talking about this early uh, from dust thou art and to dust thou shalt return, right? And when we are prideful, when we are self-seeking, when we seek stuff for our own sake, we forget that, that hmm. within ourselves, there's nothing more than dust if we don't have God. And this exercise of looking down at the ground is this reminder, like, not only you're looking down at dust, it's a reminder that you are dust, but as a reminder that everything you do, you'll eventually be buried in the ground, right? You'll die. And that all self-seeking is vanity, yeah, and, and this is the path of man to where literally the, this poem mm-hmm. spells out man, vom, right? Yeah. And it's interesting, like, this is why, as just a slight aside, this is why in Genesis there's two creation stories. One that says that man is made in the image and likeness of God, right? And then the other one where he takes dust and breathes into the dust, and breathes into the mud and forms man. And you see this like interesting twofold thing where God is both like made in the image and likeness of God, right? Let man. us make man in our own image. Mm-hmm. And then also like he's dust. Yeah. And it's as if with these two creation stories, it's trying to get at two both true but seemingly contradictory things. The utter greatness of man mm-hmm. in the sense of being made in the image of God in the sense of like the, the infinite, but then also the like smallness of man. And yeah, like we're dust and like our pettiness and our smallness and people spend their entire life on like needing a legacy and in a moment, it's gone. It's gone. It doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. So then, uh, and it mentions, by the way, it says, here are the, like few, rare are the souls who answer to this call. O human race born to fly up to heaven, why at a breeze so little must you fall? So he's saying, like, humility is the real way, and few answer this call. Few really answer the call of humility. Most people live doused in pride. A lot of people think of humility, and they think of, like, beating themselves up or, like, just being humble for the sake of being humble. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, that still ends up being looking at yourself, right? If, you, if you're trying to be humble just so because you feel it's good to be humble. You're not being humble. And that's something interesting about what these people are made to do. When they look at the effects of pride, they're not looking at themselves. They're not looking at their own mistakes back on earth. They're looking at other people even then, at Mm -hmm. other prideful people. So in humility, it's not even beating themselves up. It's recognizing outside of themselves the evil of pride, not looking at themselves. Yeah, it's looking into the face of another, right? Um, yeah, because a lot of people, I think, yeah, like you're saying, equate humility with almost self-hatred. Mm-hmm. And either way, like you're looking at yourself. There's yeah. a form of even pride in that, right? And even pride for people that, yeah, hate themselves in the sense of the pride of saying God can't save me, God can't forgive me, 
blah, 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 right? So it's like, no, 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 contemplate another, look upon another. And it's very beautiful. As they're walking out, you're going to notice every time they come out of one of these uh, like levels of Mount Purgatory, there's going to be a beatitude that is connected to it. So here we have, blessed are the poor in spirit that is sung. And that's like the very first of the Beatitudes. So just as this is the very first one that needs to be purified, this very first like Beatitude. And actually I heard um, Erasmo Leva Mary Caucus talk about this of like blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who beg for life's very breath. If you are poor in spirit, spirit in spira, like to breathe, right? Mm-hmm. Like you beg for every breath, you recognize everything as a gift. Yeah. So you're willing to receive it. And so that's what they hear. So the Beatitudes are actually meant to be a remedy for these serious sins. Uh, and then Dante actually points out the difference between what it's like to be on purgatory than inferno, which is we've talked a lot about. But he says, uh, how different are these holes from those below? Here you go accompanied by song. Down there you pass the jaws with cries of woe. And so it's like here, yeah, you walk and they're suffering but it's filled with song. And I think of a line from St. Augustine where he says, sing, but keep walking. Mm-hmm. Part of the nature of the church is like, yeah, like we're called to walk a road and conversion is really, really difficult, but you sing, but you keep walking. Mm-hmm. This is why pilgrimage is so important. So then Dante makes this comment. He's like, hey, like I, as I climb, like I actually don't, I feel lighter. I don't feel any strain. And Virgil tells him, he says, your feet will be so conquered by goodwill not only will they feel no strain, they'll take delight in being urged up the hill. Very beautifully saying, like, actually, as you go higher, especially after you're purified of pride, as you go higher, like, once you get pride out of the way, like, the walk up actually becomes so much easier, and you ta- actually take delight in the climb. Mm-hmm. And it's super interesting when one reads about, like, these great saints super who led super difficult lives and they like they're being tortured or they're being they're fasting a bunch and they talk about these with such great delight and it's interesting because when you think of like becoming closer you're becoming closer to god you think of making your life harder right you think Mm -hmm. like oh i'm gonna do all these things and it's gonna hurt but really what it ends up being at the end of the day is lightening your burdens right breaking away from all these burdens that you didn't even know you had. And it's, of course, painful. It's like, you don't like going to the gym if you would never exercise, and it's painful to start going. But once you start going, you have all these energy and all this strength that you didn't know you had. And, I mean, that's what we see that differentiates purgatory from inferno. Like, yeah. the, the suffering is directed towards purification. It's directed towards freeing yourself. And that's why it becomes lighter as they go along. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. And so then actually like this beautiful moment happens where uh, Dante reaches up at the end and he feels only six of the peas for Piccati in his head. And then he actually says, and like, and I saw my guide was smiling at the view. Uh, And so this like, like he has been purified of it, which is just like beautiful. It's a beautiful moment, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's the end of Canto 12. Well, thank you all for joining. We'll see you next time with Canto 13 and 14.